Baxter Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is all about the last-minute questions Josh has before he heads out. It's a realistic take on the things that most folks have left to do with two weeks before elk season. So if you're looking for some last-minute tips and tricks, this is a great listen. Hey, Josh. What's up, Baxter? Early Sunday morning. Early morning. We, uh, Josh has, I hunted all yesterday and I'm tired. Uh, voice and I have, I had a thunderstorm and a baby going nuts voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, got to go for my first, uh, first archery hunt, um, pig hunting on a, a guy's property that I met at the archery range, which is super cool. I was so unexpected for Nivitis and went for pigs, didn't, didn't get anything, didn't see anything. It was just blazing hot. It was like 105 maybe. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> super fun. Nonetheless, it was just nice to get out and like we saw the Milky Way, we saw deer. It was, it was wow. cool. Yeah. That's the thing about uh, California, you know, A-Zone archery opens for deer in like July 5th and mm-hmm. pigs are open year round yeah, there's a lot of great big game opportunities guys don't understand but at the same time like yeah, some of them are literally unhuntable right like a, over 100 degrees almost every animal is completely nocturnal and it's just insane right. so it, it can be really fun but man you uh what was what did uh, the archery guy say to you about going out to hunt a zone deer what was it oh about? yeah he was like i like my deer I, I don't like my deer cooked before i shoot it <laughs> exactly. yeah that's uh, <laughs> that's so spot on yeah so no but it's a good i mean it's an awesome thing you went out and did that that you, you got out we've talked a lot about this in the earlier episodes but you got to go test your gear you got to do a dry run uh, which hopefully a lot of guys are doing right now this weekend next weekend uh, yeah it's a got great sleep, one sleep in that tent that i got off of you man yep. i think it's awesome such a good tent yeah so perfect it's so light and it it's just perfect bomb proof yeah. too for how light it is it's i think it's like 30 40 denier which is insane most of them were like 10 20 so it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's a great tent um, yeah and uh i also got to learn like because we, we mostly sat so we're like i got to put two and two together like, oh this is ambushing like they have trail cameras they're trying to capture where they normally are and put us in their path so like we're like ambushing it and then like if we see them the plan is to spot and stalk them so yeah to, to actually just sit through that and like be in the situation and like think about it um about how like this works was was helpful and then the wind switching was very real like, oh yeah it coming up hill in the morning mm-hmm. um or no downhill yeah downhill because super cold yeah and then it's switching and then pretty much right at sunset so it's coming uphill sunsets and then like everything just starts moving downhill yeah yeah it's the pretty typical arrangement there but california too you probably noticed this there's a lot of weird little currents because of the amount of hills and undulations so you probably noticed areas that like the wind was just funky and you know it's the same thing can happen in the mountains too yeah on we sat two different points and on the other point it was just steady northeast wind all day and Mm -hmm. yeah it was pretty interesting yeah that's awesome yeah, well, it's a really good, uh, really good prep. And today's for guys that are wondering what we're talking about today. Today, Josh has kind of outlined the last four or five questions, what he's got um, before he heads out, because we're down to the wire. I mean, next week by the time we record a podcast and do stuff, it's too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, this is really the last episode before he goes um, into the woods, as far as like gear and getting ready. So, have him run through that. And I think the reality 
if you've listened, for guys who have listened to all the other stuff, I'm very, very organized, very on top of it. My whole mantra is get get it done beforehand so you don't have to think about it in the woods. You can spend all your time hunting, getting out there. Um, but the reality is life happens, right? Like uh, we talked a little bit about this, but bought and sold a place, new baby, sister's wedding. My dad went into emergency surgery last week. We had things you could never anticipate and it's nuts. Um, and so I think we're both in a situation that's pretty normal for a lot of guys, which is, oh man, two weeks out, I'm cramming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll talk through all those questions. I think it'd be great for guys that all have, have these things. There's a lot of stuff on here that you might not even know you don't have figured out. So hopefully it helps guys catch a few. Yeah. Ups. Yeah. So for me, maybe to paint a picture about where I am in my yeah. prep. Um, so I feel like all like backpacking wise, that's whole half of this experience. Um, I think I'm pretty set. I just got my, I just need to buy a compass. Like that's like the last thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought the waterproof map. I got all my backpacking gear. I, it feels so good having like my, it feels like my final, final setup, like the one I'm going to have for 10 years, you know, yeah, right. nice stuff. I've never one season <laughs> <laughs> next year. I'm like, I'm replacing all this stuff. Yeah. But, uh, it feels good. Just like knowing like the quality of everything's really good. Um, so backpacking wise, I'm pretty, pretty good. I think fitness wise, not as good as where I'd like to be. I had mm -hmm. a bruised heel flare up again. And so I had to take it slow again for a little bit, ramp back up. So, Decent, decent though. Um, yeah. And fitness too, I think that's an important one to hit on until we keep going through the, mm -hmm. the list. But we talked about it with a lot of the physiological stuff in the training episode. You can't, you can't really add fitness right now. Mm -hmm. like it's too late. And I think that's one thing you see a lot of guys doing is they're going to go crank their last two hikes. And, um, you know, it's not bad to push a tiny bit, but you're not going to gain anything. Yeah. So I think, you know, at what you, at the max you've been doing or slightly over is about the best you can do. Don't go do some heroic thing because the very worst, you know, stuff takes two to three weeks at least to get committed into, uh, into gains. Yeah. So the very worst thing you can do is go out and crank a crazy workout the weekend before, and that just tears down your body and it will not be recovered by the time you get out there. Well, shoot, I'm going backpacking in Yosemite this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's not, I mean, that's within the realm of what you've been doing. You know, you've been yeah, yeah. down with packs and stuff. So it's not, I'm not saying don't work out. I think it's great. Um, you taper the two or three days before you go. Yeah. But uh, other than that, you know, it's just, just don't go out there and be like, I'm going to do a 20 mile death march with a pack. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll keep going. Yeah. So I got that. Um, so at least that'll get me a little bit used to that backpack fitness i guess and then mm -hmm. a week off before heading or i guess three four days before heading out um after the yosemite trip so yeah fit, that's me in terms of fitness um the first topic that i wanted to ask about was learning elk calling fast <laughs> or, yeah or prioritizing like maybe it's like i just can't learn all the elk calls i should learn so maybe I got to just really learn this one or something. So yep. yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on last minute elk calling? Um, Cause that one seemed to slip by. Yeah. Well, the hard thing about elk calling, I would always, for most guys, I'd recommend a diaphragm, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to use a hand. And the most critical part of elk calling is the last few minutes. If you're calling something in and mm -hmm. you don't want to be switching between grabbing something in your bow, we've talked mm -hmm. about setups before and how critical it is to just be totally ready. Yeah. So that means if you're going to call in elk, to any degree, um, do something more than locating them or just you know, that sort of thing. You've got to use a mouth diaphragm. And the diaphragms are 
they're pretty difficult. Like, and you've, I think you're already making noises. So I've seen you call, like you can, you figured that part out. So for guys that haven't done that oof, in a week and a half, I don't know if I did, if I'd try that, it's pretty hard. That's a high bar. Um, you I mean, you could go every day, two or three hours a day, maybe, but uh, the metric you've got to look for is what am I confident 95% of the time will work because it's like a cold bore shot out of a rifle, right? Um, if you rip that cow call when something's in a hundred yards, if you get a weird, you know, wobble and then you do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, what the <laughs> hell is that? Um, so, so that's where you want to get to. And I, I think if you're like, I got to do that with these 10 calls, that's, really hard um, yeah you've got yeah. some time you know you could do an hour a day every day mm-hmm. you might be able to get there um but i would say that the really important one to get down is the cow call yeah um the come to me cow call the high going low mm-hmm. um that's that one if you had just that call you could probably call in 60 percent of the bulls i've dealt with that wanted to be called in um wow okay the challenge and the overriding chuckling all those kinds of things those work phenomenally well and don't get me wrong i've called in bulls that way but that takes a lot more nuance and knowledge a lot more nuance and knowledge than just just a cow call every now and then um to try to get one to come over yeah um so so I'd say aim for the cow call. Like that's really it. And, uh, you know, we talked about me being independent on sponsors. So I can say whatever I want, but I would say just download Elk Nuts app. Uh, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's really oh, good. Okay. And just yeah. focus on, um, look at the se- uh, one or two of the sequences he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just focus on making the basic calls. You know, you can make a mute, the, the cow mew, a location bugle, and then a challenge bugle. Those three, you can kind of play with it. Um, pretty well. But I would say if you're challenging bulls and you're really going at them, mm-hmm. uh, they they know the difference between if I s- was like, Josh, let's see, let me paint the situation. We're fighting over your girlfriend. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, hey, man. And then you're like, what's up? And I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. what's going on? And you're like, I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> you're like, this is really weird, right? It's the same mm-hmm. with like, bull like you gotta be able to have some intonation and some ups and downs and some the way you vocalize is different right so, so I, it's, yeah. yeah it's it's very nuanced is it would it be like saying the same curse word over and over again just the same <laughs> thing of mixing over, up <laughs> and over and over and that's the number one way the number one way tip for you that i identify hunters in uh in the hills when it's bugling because mm-hmm. you can't there's elk that make bugles. You're like, that is a horrible bugler. And you look over and there is an elk. And there's ones mm-hmm. that make beautiful ones. And it's a hunter. Um, there's no way to really tell by tone unless it's obvious. A lot of times. Yeah. But the biggest thing is that it's the exact same every time. Oh, I see. Yeah. There's some elk that's do, that do that, but the vast majority of elk slightly different every time mm-hmm. they call. Um, so anyway, kind of going down a track yeah i just download that app i listen to those try to get those two or three down and really go for it and uh just use your judgment i mean the bell calling it's uh, scary because you don't feel like you've got experience but just use common sense if you've got a bull that's just ripping and fired up you can get away with a little bit um, but if you've got a bull that's bugling a bit but he's kind of non-committal that's probably not a great target for you unless you're really good at yeah calling. And hopefully you shoot something early and you can go back and just afford to, you know, screw up those types of situations. And you can, I mean, if you're there for a few weeks, you can totally afford to screw up situations. So it's just, it's a uh, different approach. Yeah. Yeah. So 
of, of those three calls, would you say the number one is the come to me cow call, basic cow call? Yeah. And then number two would be location bugle? Yeah, I think so. Because the location bugle, you know, that's one that you can really early in the morning um, or if you just peek over the edge into a new area, yeah, they can't see you. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, near peak of the rut. You can rip one of those and just see if something's around. Okay. Um, nice. That's that's kind of the main, the two most useful things for calling for me is the come getting the cow call to make something come in the last few hundred yards or the location beagle to find out where they are and go sneak in on them silent and then rake, right? Yeah, those, yeah, yeah. those two things will cover you in 80% of scenarios. Okay. And the other stuff is that's where the experts really distance themselves, but different approach to hunting too, right? If you're going to be that good. Right. The, um, this one's a random question uh, related to the cow call. Um, because I, I, so, you know, you know how I went to, went like five out of six weekends for Turkey trying to call them in and they kept getting hung up. Um, I was wondering if this strategy of like moving up or moving back, away from where the elk uh, is making noise and then calling there and then slowly moving forward and waiting. Yeah. Like, like forward maybe. So like they're, they're going to where the elk call is, but you're kind of like already halfway trying to cut them off. Absolutely. It's a great tactic. We're just calling somewhere and then moving up. It gets back to that conversation we had on the doorway. Cause if the door right. is behind you, then yeah, I'd move back into it, call mm-hmm. and then move up. Or if you're in it, I'd call there and move up. You know, it just depends on where, you're you're telling a story to that elk and if yeah you're like, hey i'm in this little great area mm-hmm. just it's much more realistic than if you're like i'm randomly calling to you from the middle of a path through a dark timber thicket <laughs> right um, he's gonna be like well why why would you do that um, yeah so yeah find the area that the elk's gonna want to be call from there and then move up yeah mm-hmm. got so it you you've already got the diaphragm that fits your mouth right i do yeah and i've i've set off a few decent muse. I just need to get really consistent now so that I can't like mess it up. Yeah. And that's, that's something I would say for guys that haven't, unfortunately figured that out, but diaphragms, the width and height of your palate uh, is really important to get the right diaphragm that fits. It can be literally impossible to call. So if guys are like frantically trying to get them and they haven't got them, I would order two or three widths and heights. Yeah. Um, and I would also order, you know, a lot of these, diaphragms too it's like oh this is the one that so-and-so uses for you know world championships or his amazing stuff and um they're really phenomenal but they're uh a really thick difficult to manipulate latex mm-hmm. uh, they're really really hard so for example the elk 101 like um i think it's the i can't remember i think it's a contender is the one that's the yeah that's a that's a call that's almost exclusively good for very intense bull Mm-hmm. I mean, you could manipulate it any which way you want. If you're Corey Jacobson, you can do anything. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but uh, like the all-star, like he won a world championships with that one. Anyway, that's a light latex. It's thinner. It's in the middle of the pack. Um, it's not like something like the mistress that you can't really make bugles on because it's so light, but it's just right in the middle. So I would encourage guys to, to, to go for a call in the middle, one that's not super thick, super intense, um, and just try to get two or three of those. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the All Star right now. I, the green one, awesome. it's like a, it's like it says like novice level, and yep. that one is the first one I tried. It ended up working, um, and then the latex t- t- 
prepared a little. So I just bought two more just in case. I'm like, I definitely yeah. don't want to lose one of these things. Yeah, that was going to be my other great suggestion. I just bought four more myself yesterday. Oh, nice. <laughs> Not um, two all-stars and one contender and one of the, whatever they replaced the mistress with. Yeah. So I typically run three reads. I'll run a super intense bull one. I'll run the all-star for almost everything. And then I'll run the cow call one for really soft cow calls. Um, Where do you keep them? Do you keep them in like a zipper chest pocket or like... Yeah, and the bino harness little zipper, or they oh. have these little clips that go on your hat. Uh, oh, in your hat. Yeah, or there's, you know, if you've got a Sitka shirt that's got the little pouch on your chest, it, it just right. kind of depends. But to your point, it's really easy to tear or ruin the latex if you've been mm-hmm. using them, especially the lighter latex ones that are more yeah. novice. They don't last as long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would always have a backup in the car or on your pack just right. so okay. to tear them out. So that's why I take two or three in the woods as well. Maybe ninety percent of the time I use one, but there might be a situation I want to switch it up, mm-hmm. and then also if I wreck one, then I've got another. Yeah, because that latex is—I mean, it's pretty thin. So do you—you you just put it straight into your pocket? You don't put it in like a bag or like a little little metal, like a plastic hard case. You know, I put it in a pocket where it's totally alone and it's not going to get any rubbing, and there's no pressure on the latex. Gotcha. And put it okay. in there. You know, cool. That cool. And I keep it. I mean, add her in my mouth. Most of the time, I'm somewhere other than just straight hiking. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, really close to it. You know, yes, yeah. because I'm moving along. You right? A little, little tiny noises. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and calling, then, right? Yeah, that's calling. If if anyone wants to review and go deeper on this topics, we did a we did a episode uh, on different hunting styles. I forgot what it was called, but we talked about ambushing. We talked about calling. We talked about. Mm-hmm. spot in stock so that could be a good one for anybody who wants to dive deeper to go back yeah. to and i'm super excited to get some great callers on here you know this year we we made a conscious choice just to do you me and kind of this fun mentorship journey but i think over mm-hmm. time we'll get some guys that are because i know that's like we talked about in the past that's my biggest weakness so mm-hmm. i'm really excited yeah. to get some great callers on the on here and talk to them a bit yeah yeah that'd be really cool it's amazing that people some people can it just it just seems like they literally can talk elk language oh yeah yeah <laughs> have a wide vocabulary um so second topic i want to ask about was kind of last minute e-scouting and tips so mm-hmm. i put in maybe six or seven hours now of e-scouting um and i've got i think i've just got too many po- spots picked out yeah i approached it like kind of one pretty high level i was like all right this general area i just put a pin that said possible elk and then parking and then possible elk and i just put a bunch of pins like that everywhere so i haven't got i guess my question is is my next step to like go in each of those general areas and go really micro now and look for wallows and like bedding and food or yeah you think that's it and i know a lot of guys do these scouting they get all fired up they look get a little overwhelmed and then they kind of stop and if there's one thing you're doing in the next two weeks it's going to change your success rate mm-hmm. other than shooting your bow but i, I take that for granted um, it would be e-scouting, right? That's yeah. that's where you're going to make the difference. So yeah, I would say you really what you want is to step back. And we talked a little bit about this episode, but it's been like four months now. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you really want are anywhere from three to five spots that have kind of a square area of, well, let's just make it easy, three to five miles. Yeah. So like five miles in, five miles left, or you know, three miles in, three miles left, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you're that's what you're going for so uh you know like, it's hard to see it 
like we'll jump on after this and we can't really record it on a podcast obviously and we'll take a look but for that's just kind of my metric because you should have areas like that so depending on what you've marked you know if you've got one or two or three like that mm-hmm. and uh yeah once you get those areas dialed in then it's all about getting deep right it's really really going through with the fine tooth comb the number one thing about google earth that's amazing is flipping the different time the satellites mm-hmm. to find greenery going through it, finding the spots that have what you're looking for. Um, if you have to prioritize one or two things, I would always go uh, wallows and water sources. Mm-hmm. The meadows and other stuff are great, but uh, you'll be amazed at the places grass can sneak in. Uh, okay. you, you can't always find it, but if you find wallows, if you find water sources, mm-hmm. that's pretty much a guarantee you found elk if you're in the right areas. Nice. They've got to have that. And okay. uh, if that's there, there'll be grass too. So um, that would be the the last minute cram version of it. And mm-hmm. we talked about the like the long version of it. It's you know what I think some of the secret sauce and the other one. So guys can listen to that. You can yeah you can revisit. But uh, yeah, that'd be the big one. And just pre- be prepared. You know, have two or three, and just be prepared to hike into one and be like, mm, okay, then hike into another and be like, ooh, this is it. And yeah, um, if you it's unfortunate uh, because if you hike into one of them and you're like. Ooh, this isn't that great, but you marked 20 things, then you wasted time. But you have to do that because the next one you hike into, that's like, oh, this is amazing. What you don't want to go is, oh man, I didn't, I didn't really spend that much time on this one. You right. have to treat each as if it's going to be the spot. Right. Uh, and that is that that work, that hustle and grind is what that's what really pays off because it's going to save you two or three days, which for most guys in a week long trip is going to be the difference. Yeah, totally. Um, and actually some interesting news that changes up my trip a little bit is uh that i haven't told you yet is remember that hunt i won with identical draw oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. go hang out with those guys yeah so they're these two twin brothers live out in a, nebraska pretty cool they they make a lot of youtube videos uh they're called identical draw uh we, ha- we have to get them on the podcast at some point yeah, absolutely but um they did a whole new hunter thing and i submitted a video and i somehow got chosen so uh, it was originally planned to do a two-day whitetail hunt in, or no, four days in Nebraska in October, but then that would be my second week on my new job. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. I had to tell them, hey, like I can't make it. Is there, is there another hunt I can switch to, or I could also just give up my spot? And maybe someone else can go. Mm-hmm. And they said, can you make August thirtieth to September fourth mule deer in Nebraska? <laughs> and I was what like, was yeah. So I. I I said, yes. So I guess I'm going to miss those first four days of season and then come back to Idaho and go for the rest of the month. Well, there you go. Which is a, you know, bit of a, it's kind of, a, you know, trade-offs. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, well, I mean, hey, hunting for hunting. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so I have a, I got a rental car for August 26th. So I got what, four or five days before season. And then leaving on August 30th to September 4th for the mule deer hunt. So I'm figuring before the uh, 30th of August, those mm-hmm. four or five days, maybe I can scout and do a loop around in my A spot and then do a loop around in my B spot and then maybe my C spot for like three days. Yeah. And then leave to the mule deer hunt and then come back to uh, whichever spot I think is best. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be incredibly valuable because that on the ground stuff during season you'll mm-hmm. like i mean it's practically during season week before counts um yeah you will 
you will get the intel you need to make a call as whether this is good or not or like what other stuff is great so you're the value of that is going to be massive because mm-hmm. uh, you also have time on the plane other places to go um to go do some more e-scouting right so you're like oh that's right oh like that's not good but what about right over there or oh i need to totally change it up or I need to do this and that will it'll basically give you a full iteration of change right mm-hmm. versus if you got into your spot to go hunting and you're like oh, i gotta do all this stuff you gotta now what go out leave so yeah that's huge that's really valuable and you know, I think there's a difference between like what you don't want to do is just spook them all out of there. But if you're smart about it, you're not like ripping right up the areas you'd be hunting in at the times you'd be hunting. Um, yeah, I think it'd be worth it. Okay, cool. And I prioritize in that situation. I'd probably prioritize just checking sign and then getting up high and glassing in the morning, and the evening. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Sign and glassing. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, yeah, glad to know that that is a decent strategy. Yeah, it's a good one, and I think you'll you'll be totally worth it for you to be able to go see see that stuff, right? And you'll also be there before other folks. The last thing I'd say though is that as we talked about from the beginning, like really the biggest, most important thing in elk hunting is not the elk; it's the people. Mm-hmm. So the only downside of that is you're going to be there before really anyone shows up. Yeah, and so you, know, you might be surprised you pop back in a week, and it's like all the oh. spots you thought were great are just slammed. Oh, uh, that's right. So again, don't get too. What you really don't want to do is go out there, look at four spots, and go like, "That's the one," and I'm mm-hmm. going right back to here and put all your chips in that basket because you might yeah. show back up and uh, yeah, there might be five guys sitting there. So right, and then have to readjust. Yeah, so always have those three to five extra spots. Yeah, so maybe I'm doing my ABC spots, and then just to confirm like this is the a spot this is the, maybe i'll switch up b and c or whatever after yeah. boots on the ground and yeah, then come back and then reassess again yeah eliminate some ones that are totally not good and then just make sure you've got you know three or four and you're good mm-hmm. to go and then after coming back um would you recommend doing a loop again in the one of those spots or just trying to hunt it or yeah I, think both, I guess at that point i'd say start hunting you know i mean you're yeah. gonna effectively run the loop which is similar ish mm-hmm. but yeah, you're you're ready to go. If you've looked at it before, you knew it looked pretty good. There was sign in there. Um, go check it out. And you you never know, right? Uh, that's the other thing I'd say is that elk move. Um, some of the places I've been, they're very habitual, but I'm also really really light and I don't disturb them. Other places I've been, they're in, they're out, they're there, they're not. Yeah, I say it's more common they're in, they're out, they're they're there, they're not. So if you come back and an area you had a ton of elk sign, you got to be you know, don't get too wedded to it because you come back and there's not much sign they've moved mm-hmm. versus yeah. one of the spots you thought didn't see much sign not much going on mm-hmm. maybe in a week and a half you show show up there and it's somewhere they all moved into now that there's pressure so wow um, some things you just can't know unless you're out there hunting so right. don't, yeah just don't uh, overcompensate by thinking you've seen it a week ago yeah, 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 it's so interesting. You have to, you have to like make assumptions based off all the information you're getting, but then also be open to like completely just changing everything once you get new information and like not holding on to like previous beliefs uh, from the past. I think that's the single hardest thing in elk hunting for most guys mm-hmm. is the guts to just like pull the plug and run uh, because it's a massive amount of change. You don't you have to have a ton of confidence in your scouting ability scouting ability or whatever it is um and even if you're like finding you know made this mistake my second year i think it was we were in an area that was phenomenal i still hunt there tons of elk in the area and it was like 
week before the end of season and there was just not much right it was um uh it was just like one or two elk signs i was like 40 or 50 in there and then it was like one or two i just hung on for like a week trying to make it work and in hindsight that was the worst thing uh worst decision ever yeah uh, because those those two elk just kept me in an area that was totally unproductive so it's really really hard to just pull the stakes and move but i would say that's something i'd encourage you and almost any guy that's relatively new um to do because that moving is what you you will know if you're in elk. <laughs> yeah, yeah you will not question it and if you're questioning it's very hard to have the courage to be like just pull the stakes but that's what you need to do right and that's it is going to be challenging because like i'll be i think i'll be second guessing myself a lot for uh, sure you know yeah. and same with turkey i was just like I'm like you have intuitions of like okay maybe i should move up or blah blah blah. oh it's this time oh i don't know the wind everything oh are they gonna see me no okay i'm not gonna move it and then like 15 minutes or oh, i'm gonna move the decoy up a little and if you just start second guessing yourself do you have any hard and fast rules where you're like all right if this is the situation i'm definitely out of this area yeah um yeah no it's so true and that's part of the fun of the game right like if you there's two ways to deal with it. One is you let it get to you and then it's going to drive you nuts. The other is to be like, this is so cool. Like, oh man, I wonder. It's like, it's like gambling, right? Free right. Game. Really fun. <laughs> um, so it's just right mindset we talked about in the other one. Um, so yeah, I get excited for that because it's going to happen. Um, I mean, my hard and fast rules, if I'm not seeing a fresh sign, I mean, I think we talked about it within 24 hours, I'm out. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, if you're walking between water sources in your loop mm -hmm. uh, that's really it so if i've if i've run my little loop in 24 hours and i don't see anything that looks like it's within a day or two i'm out of there and then i'd say i'm just thinking through some of these things the problem with rules in elk countries will almost always break them yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i think that's that's it and then if i haven't say i see a little bit of fresh sign in an area and then i kind of hunt it for a day mm -hmm. another day if I haven't seen an elk or seen an update in another day, then I'm out. So it's kind of, you know, a day or two max each area, which yeah, it's, it's fast. That's really fast. But it's like I said, you don't, you have zero question that there's elk in the area if they're really active. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is such a great tip. Um, next area, or do you have anything else on e scouting that I missed? You know, one thing I would say is that all the work you're doing now is macro. It's really big areas. It's tops down. It's looking at giant stuff. Let's move into a entire new area. Yeah. When you're hunting, it's micro. Let me let me tell you a story of these two guys. Um, I've been going in the same area three years now. It's super good. And I know a guy there. I'm not going to say his name. Um, let's just call him John. And another guy. Anyway, long story short, the two of us, two or three of us have figured out how good it is. We hunted every year. We've been there. Um, I'm the newcomer, right? I've only been there three or four years. And yeah. Um, two guys from another state, uh, Eastern state, whitetail hunters showed up, um, even though they were all three of us packed in a trailhead, they decided now is a good time, uh, to hunt this place. So it's public land is what it is, you know, um, uh, it's probably packed everywhere. So I'm not, not getting down on them, but there was a little etiquette where they could have been nicer about the way they just blasted up the middle with three other guys hunting in there. But all that to say, they walked straight up the middle of the valley. They plunked right in the middle. They found a bull ripping and roaring right in the middle um, that I've never seen in that area. And they were like, we're here for the next three weeks. 
what happened is they sat right down low, right on that one bull. They hunted that one bull for a week, which is a, you really don't want to do that. Go, go take your shot. If you mess it up, that is what it is. Move on. Right. Mm-hmm. That's uh, you don't, they're not like white tail. You don't want to try to slowly sneak them for a week. Yeah. Um, but then they just looped and looked around down in that low area and they never saw another elk for three weeks. And all three of us killed an elk or got into elk every day. Wow. So what I'm trying to say with that long winded version of it is that often for new hunters, they're ignoring some micro areas right next to them or areas that are really good that are close by. So if you do go through an area, you have taught you the right ways that I've learned to, to go find great spots, but just make sure you put in the effort. You know, it's really tempting to do a low loop of an area and go, no, there's not much here. But did you really go up into the basins up to the side where there's stuff, lots of water and feed? Like it's going to, it's hard. Elk hunting is stinking difficult. So mm-hmm. I'd much rather, instead of you burning an eight-hour loop down low, checking an area and leaving, take it two days if you need to because you're so tired to like go yeah. up and really look it out because there's the real wealth of elk hunting and over-the-counter is the little niches no one else looks in. Mm. That's where it's at. And those, those guys spent three weeks with us looking down on them, not a chance in the world. Um, wow. And you know, if they came in and the, the way they came in and just like, didn't ask anybody what was going on or where we were, or and just like went ripping right up the middle and camped mm-hmm. near one or two guys were already out there. There was uh, let me put it this way. There was zero desire to correct their errors. <laughs> <laughs> so they, uh, yeah, they asked very explicit questions to which they didn't get answers. Um, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean and I don't, like I said, it's public land. They're, they have just as much right as me to be there, but, mm-hmm. uh, but your approach of being, friendly to other hunters and making sure if they're already there not to like encroach on their land and also just to make sure you look at the little things is that's going to pay off yeah and actually that stuff um maybe we can dive into a little bit about that kind of etiquette like Mm -hmm. so if if you were in their that guy's situation you pulled up three trucks at the trailhead how do you approach it like what, what would you do differently compared to what that guy did yeah and sorry trailhead makes it sound like it's a uh it's like a little turn off dirt road oh okay <laughs> tiny dirt road that's got a dead end yeah a valley so it's like a because guys are like three guys at a trailhead and you're yeah no it's like literally packing three rvs in a or two rvs and three trucks into one like little tiny forest road and then they got uh, it um, yeah so first off if i saw that anywhere and over the counter i wouldn't uh, it wouldn't be me going oh my gosh i want to be here i'd be like that's just there's too many people i'm out of here oh yeah. okay so i'd be gone um it depends. I mean, if it's a giant area, no, that'd be great because then they're going to push elk to where I want to go. It's mm-hmm. that's again, it's judgment call. But always, I think the best thing to do is you don't want to run across people. You don't want to bugle in people. You don't want. I mean, that's horrible for everyone. You and mm-hmm. the other guy. Um, so if the guys are around, you just ask them where they're hunting. Say, hey, where are you hunting? What's going on? I want to try to give you space. And they're almost always going to say, yeah, I'm over. They might not want to tell you exactly where. They'll be like, I'm over that direction. Okay, cool. I'll go that direction. Um, great. And then you just, uh, there's no laws here, but I think it's etiquette. It's just someone's there first. They're there first. Yeah. You know, I walked, I told you a story. I walked up behind the, the one elk those guys did get on. I uh, was going nuts and I walked up behind them the second day out of seven days they hunted it and we were a hundred yards from that elk and they were standing there looking at it. And I was like, okay, well, it's theirs. Mm-hmm. I'll let them have it. But I know I could have walked right in and shot that elk. Yeah. Yeah. And so, he was just see his textbook. He's beautiful, beautiful animal. But yeah, just be kind about it. Ask people where they are. 
um, try to give them as much space as they want. If you can tell someone's agitated, like, you know, because very often I've learned if you give someone that space and you say, okay, well, we're, you know, I'm trying to look for somewhere else. They might be like, oh, well, I've scouted elk and last, you know, or mm-hmm. two weeks ago, this valley down over here, there are some in it. And like, I know no one's in there right now. Go have at it. Right. Nice. And just because they're willing to be friendly and they're, because they recognize you're being friendly and they want to yeah. get you out of their area. So they're, they're willing to give you a few little bones. Oh, that's cool. But yeah. Just, you know, human being approach, right? Just be friendly. And um, yeah, you might get, you know, if you go to four or five areas and there's tons of guys, it is what it is. You got to go in. Um, mm-hmm. But I just yeah, definitely think about the way you interact with them. Cause usually I like to think hunters are all great people. It's going to, it's going to pan out. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, another area that, uh, of this, I think I've overprepared, which is interesting is uh, <laughs> archery. I think I've just, yeah, I could have taken a little less time doing archery. No such thing. Put more time in the East County. It's just so fun. So, yeah. um, I got like, I guess it is good to be that confident in my shooting, but, um, yeah, yeah I, I've got, like, I think the target archery stuff has like, has stolen a little bit of my heart, you know, and then it's just been super fun, uh, shooting. Yeah. Um, but now I'd looking say, back, I think I maybe could have traded some of that time for calling or more. Uh, that's never a bad investment, man. I would, <laughs> the thing I would say about that though, is it's hundred percent about confidence for hunting. Mm-hmm. If you're target yeah. archery every, every day, right? Like mm-hmm. you got to just get rhythm for hunting. It's confidence. Um, this might come off as a little bit of heresy because every guy you're going to see on social media and all this stuff, shoot every day, all day. Um, and I, I think that's good too, but there is a point at which it's more about your mental state than anything else. Um, and there's been years I've shot twice a day, every day, you know, my place and then out, out where I'm going. Um, and I have less confidence. And then the fact I stopped shooting for four or five days made me very nervous. Uh, right? I see. Versus there's years where I shoot every weekend going up to it. And I'm like, great. And there's years like this where. I don't know why, but I'm shooting the best I've ever shot in my life. And I haven't shot for two weeks, which is for me insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, when you have all the things we talked about earlier, that's pretty normal. But I'm 100% confident. Like, I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's just because I've been shooting well and doing it 100% confident I can walk out there and drop something at 80. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'll go out and do that. And that, that confidence is the most important thing. Yeah. So there's two ways to screw up. There's one is to overdo it. And then when you don't shoot every day, you get, you get scared. Mm-hmm. And the other is to not shoot enough so that you don't have confidence. And that changes for every person. So gotcha. that's all I'd say there. If you're, if you know that you're going to get out there and be like, well, I haven't shot in five days and I shoot every day, maybe start mm-hmm. slowing down a little bit. Right. Right. Maybe I should uh, slow down and then go to Bowhunters Unlimited for their Tuesday night 3D shoot. And then just do one arrow for like those 10, 12 targets and just, yeah. Even after taking days off and just feel that confidence, like, okay, I took days off and I can still shoot well. Yeah. So. That's, uh, as the closer I get to archery season, all I do is cold bore shots and, um, like if I'm at home, I just shoot one. Yeah. Into the target. And I'm like, what did I do? And then uh, if I'm out doing the range, I'll just do one every station. Right. Yeah. Right. Just, just so that it's that way. And I would say, make sure you have that, I mean, you're bringing your target with you, but, Every time you pack in or out, it's so worth. Like I actually keep backup you know, arrows with a backup broadhead spun on them, and I don't even yeah. like, disassemble it or anything. Just literally leave it like that in the case. Mm-hmm. So the second I get back to the uh, the car, it's super easy for me just to throw out the target and do my. I almost always make it a difficult shot. Make it like a fifty, sixty with some wind or something. You know, 
and just do that one shot, that one shot. And then I'm yeah. like, okay, that's great. Yeah. That, Cause if you take that one shot and it's good, your confidence is, you don't even need to do anything else. You're like, right. That. So sounds good. Yeah. Um, and that's why going bow hunting for pigs this last weekend was so cool because I, I felt like, wow, if I actually get my first bow kill, that'll yeah. be a huge confidence booster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But grouping with broadheads is, does build confidence too. Yeah. Well, you, uh, when you took your bow out and you were grouping the slick tricks with your field points at 60 yards, right? Yeah. Yeah. At 60, it was, it was definitely bigger than the softball, but uh, yeah. definitely smaller than a paper plate, like way smaller. So it was decent, I think. Yeah. Now the, the level you're shooting now with all the shooting you've been doing, you're, you're well good out to that, that range with a good situation. You know, it's always you to judge the situation. Right. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out too, is like, where am I going to draw the line? But like you said, it's situational based on like conditions and everything. Yeah. But flat out perfect conditions. Do you think I could do? Oh, I guess it's, I shouldn't ask others. I should probably ask. Yeah. Myself, but. Yeah. You should ask yourself. But one thing I'd say is that you always have a top limit mm-hmm. because shooting at the archery range is as ideal as it gets. You don't have yeah. any stress. <laughs> you typically don't have much wind. You typically don't have you know, a lot of the other things that are going to mess with you. So the, you know, my metric is always what's the, what's the thing you can keep within a pie plate you know, 10 inches, uh, 100% of the, like you're just always confident that's going to happen. Yeah. That's your extreme limit. And that's probably not the limit I would use, but that at least tells you there's definitely no further than that. Right. Um, right. And so that's, I mean, as you know, that's, I'm very fortunate after shooting for a few years, that's like 110 for me, right? Like that's, it's <laughs> a long way. Um, and there's no way in hell I'm shooting that far. Um, yeah. but that's a good one for you. So if you're like, Hey, that's, I mean, for you, I feel like that is 60, 70, mm-hmm. 80, like you're at 60 with field points. You are always, always within a pretty good, you know, dinner plate size. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be the only thing I know I can say. And then everything yeah. else is personal. So, right. Right. Yeah, because I was wondering if that's if my top limit is sixty, you know, perfect conditions at the archery range. Should I just subtract ten just in case because of heart rate, you know, <laughs> and then like then make that my top limit and then subtract from there if based on how bad the conditions are, like when yeah, you did uphill downhill. I mean, I think that's safe. I think that's a good way to do it. But granted, you also don't shoot past sixty because you have a five pin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so if you were, I bet if you were at seventy, eighty, you'd still be grouping pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. So. You know, just, it's up to you, but it's always the most important things about the shot is number one, um, the conditions. So like, do you, are you setting up on a really weird angle up or downhill with an odd standing? That's, that's the stuff that really screws you up. Right. Yeah. Versus if you're totally flat and you've got a good square to the animal and everything's, everything's good. That's number one. Um, and then the number two, like the two big things is the animal itself. So if it's totally on alert like totally unaware you're there it's feeding it's doing things that are gonna uh it's gonna have to take a second or two for it to figure out what that snap noise was then you're you're golden but yeah if it's slightly alerted it's moving every now and then it's yeah you get into you get into other stuff um right i mean of course there's like little things like is your bow tuned is your you know but i'm hoping you've knocked all that down yeah yeah went to the shop to do some basic tuning and it, it was shooting pretty good after so i think i got a little lucky yeah well hey um and then last topic here i know we're going a little long but it's uh all like quick logistic stuff mm-hmm. um so on my notes here i have 
uh, questions about butcher, packer, hotels, and like other local stuff. So like tips and tricks around local things. Yeah. I do plan on uh, using your strategy of like going in for three to five days and then coming mm-hmm. out to like stay in a hotel, get a shower, eat a burger, yeah. you know, <laughs> rest up. Um, but yeah, what? Say two to four days, by the way. <laughs> oh, two to four days. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Five would be, you better be way back there for five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah, what yeah. are your tips around that? And like, I don't know which one you want to tackle first, but yeah. And actually one thing before I forget, I know I was, uh, I went to REI yesterday mm-hmm. and picked up a few things, you know, new, new headland for Margaret, some other stuff. Um, one tip I'd give to you and a lot of guys out there right now is that inventory at outdoor stores is really low. Yeah. Um, so before I forget, make sure to go now, like get off the phone, go mm-hmm. do your thing. And the biggest one is fuel canisters. Yeah. You can't buy those online. They can't ship them. And when mm-hmm. you get into the middle of nowhere, they most of the stores don't have those. Um, yeah. So I would definitely go pick up a bunch of those. Are those bad to leave in the car? Like if I just left mine in the car? You can leave them in the car if they're not in direct sunlight. Okay. You know, like you don't want you don't want those to get to 110 <laughs> in your dash, yeah. right? But if you put it, you know, in the trunk or something, your car is kind of shaded by some trees. Yeah. Okay. But I would pick up. I just don't know why I forgot that one in the, the top of my head, but that's... Uh, I've seen so many guys drive up or fly up to other areas and then they get there and then all the hunters went to REI or what the only stores that right. carried those and they got them out. And normally that's not as big of a deal because they'll just order more. But now like stockpiles of stuff is so low. Like I was blown away at the two REIs I went to yesterday here, how little stuff they've got. Wow. It's just nothing because of the coronavirus shipping, right? It's outdoor gear is yeah. the lowest thing on the totem pole. Right. Uh, so yeah, get that anyway. <laughs> okay. That's the side. Yeah. And then as far as other things that can get you, the logistics is a huge one. So I definitely like, you now kind of know the areas you're going, mm-hmm. definitely take the time to find the one or two hotels that seem like a good deal in the area. Um, find the big one too is finding laundry and shower potential. Uh, okay. Cause there's a lot of times you'll come out and you don't want to you pay hundred dollars for a hotel or whatever it is, but you want to do those things. And so find a laundromat, find a place. Um, I've been to YMCA's that let you shower for five or 10 bucks. You can call other gyms, see if they let you shower. Um, sometimes trailer parks have, or campsites have, you know, coin op showers. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, you can wash your gear and if it's all synthetic stuff, you can usually just kind of scrub it. Yeah. But there's also look for laundromats. Uh, and then the packer definitely definitely talk to the packer don't you know don't email them don't whatever get them on the phone and talk to them mm-hmm. and uh try to find that and then the meat processor like we talked about uh, you really want to do that and the most important thing with the meat processor is to find out how to get them after hours oh, i don't yeah. i don't know i mean obviously i haven't shot what only three elk at this point but uh it's astounding. Every single one of them is always after hours. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is. It's because by the time you pack it out or do all that stuff, you get out late afternoon. You're not like getting out during business hours on a weekday, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you want to make sure you have that in your cell phone saved somewhere mm-hmm. so that okay. you get out and you're not spending two hours in the hot sunshine trying to figure out where Yeah. you get this stuff there. Okay. And it and doesn't so, hurt to have another backup one too because you never know the guy that's cell phone you got might you know, be really drunk on a Sunday or something. And you're, you know, trying to trust me, it's happened. You're trying to yeah. get an elk somewhere that's can freeze it. So, right. Okay. So 
Uh, do you have any tips or tricks for picking a butcher or thinking about picking a packer for, for those people who haven't done this yet? Yeah, but the packer, you want to get someone who's committal. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you'll call a lot of packers and they've got multiple clients. They've got a bunch of other stuff and they're kind of like, yeah, if it works for my schedule, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the type of guy you want. You, you know, if it's the only one you got, that is what it is. But you want to find someone who's like, yeah, that could work. We'll have excess capacity. Like you can call my office or someone who will always be there mm-hmm. and figure it out for you, right? You don't want someone that's like, oh, it's just me and I might be in packing something out because he might be in for a day-long, two-day trip. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, then, then when you finally do get him, he's like, no, I can't do it, man. I got to go up tomorrow to do this. Yeah. So I would <laughs> call two or three in the area and try to find the one that's got, uh, a lot of the time, the best packers are ones with lodges. Mm, okay. So they've got a base operation and they're running a few different uh, rigs out of that. Mm-hmm. And then that means they almost always have capacity and they've got a central dispatcher. They've got, you know, something. I always like to support the little guy, but you're, you're just the lowest thing on the totem pole. Cause you're, they know elk hunting success rates. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to get an elk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely say that call two or three of them. And then uh, meat packers, I would just ask them what their process is. Um, the key questions to ask are like, do you combine multiple elk? Cause I've gotten, uh, a little bit of context. They, if you want sausage or other things that take a little prep time, it, you know, it takes them like a week or two to do that. And they can't have that same guy doing little batches every day. It's just not a good use yeah. of time. They wait for five or 10 that want to do sausage and they put it together. So it's way easier for them to do a like meat in meat out system where they just like pile extra meat in and they, they put 10 pounds of your meat in to give you 10 pounds of like all the meat that's in there. Got it. Yeah. I really don't want that. Like I put all this effort into taking care of my elk. I know it's a great elk. Um, I might've taken the decision to shoot a raghorn and not a six point because I want it to taste good. Like, you know, <laughs> um, so make sure you ask them, Hey, do you only do things with my elk? Like yeah. do you keep it totally separate. That's a, that's a really good question. Right. Okay. Um, and they might may or may not. And some do, some don't. And they're usually going to tell you, hey, it's going to be 10 or 20 pounds minimums to do these things if it's just your elk. And that's totally fine, right? Yeah, that's great. Uh, that also asks them like what kind of ingredients they use, um, like what kind of beef or pork do you use? You know, I found a place that does only organic. Um, not that that's something that really matters to me, but I know it's quality, right? They only do organic pigs or cows because that's what they're, they're set up as is an, is an organic butcher. So that's awesome because you know the fat they're using from those. Right. You put it in is amazing. Okay. Um, and so those are good questions to ask. You can ask them about the blends, the spices, uh, you know, bad butcher you'll get on the phone. I don't know, man. We just, we just use lard. Right. And then, <laughs> then, Hey, what do you use for, you know, like your spices? Oh, we just, whatever the, you know, that the package thing from this mm-hmm. and, uh, versus the good ones are like, Oh yeah, yeah. We've got, we butcher our own cows or pigs or I get it from my buddy who does this and it's, you know, over here. And then, oh yeah, we blend our own spices or, you know, we make sure we use ones without MSG or, you know, all those kinds of things. Right? Yeah. Um, got it. So you just, just ask them questions and don't be a dick too. Don't call and be like, Hey, what about these three things? Right. Like, yeah. Like, hey, I'm looking to get an elk and, you know, put a lot of effort into it. So the quality is really important. I've heard your high quality. You want to understand your process. Yeah. You know, okay. They love to talk. This is what they do with their, their life, right? Like they love it. Mm-hmm. The guys that do it great are artists. It's really cool to watch. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, any, do you have any 
tips about hotels or other local stuff that you're like, Ooh, this is like a good way for me to pick a hotel or like, Oh, don't forget about this. Yeah. Um, for the hotels, like you're going to be stinky and nasty and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really want two things. You want to drive up parking. <laughs> yeah. You want to be able to park outside your door and walk 10 feet and put it in versus carrying it through the lobby and stinky. Oh, and yeah. everyone's like, what the heck? And even if it's not like drive up parking, you know, be able, like something where it's easy to get to the rooms. Mm-hmm. So that kind of nixes a lot of the higher end hotels. <laughs> not that you were going to do that anyway, but you might have mm-hmm. points for something. Um, and then ask them if they've got a laundry room because it's nothing worse than paying for a hotel and then you don't, you know, you can't do laundry Yeah, with your stuff. And they might have a washroom too. Some places might have a dog room or a, like they might even have an area for you to butcher stuff. Um, Whoa. Cool. Yeah. In r- more rural areas. So you can just ask them questions about that stuff. And, okay. Yeah. Cool. That's stuff I should do like tomorrow, like Monday, open like one business opens yeah and i just put it write it down in a note on your phone or something and that way when you get out to reception and you need it it's there yeah it's otherwise it's a lot of it's one of those things it doesn't seem like a big deal but it takes like an hour to figure that out so yeah yeah once you're out there and you don't want to be figuring that stuff when you're out there yeah you just don't want to do what all the prep is for (laughs) yeah totally what's an hour hour now is worth nothing right like well not worth nothing but you know whatever yeah that hour of hunting time worth a lot and then that hour of your elk baking in the back worth a ton <laughs> yeah oh yeah question about that is like at which point would you call and be like uh, i i can't pack this out myself I, i'm pushing the edge here like too much time i'm gonna call the packer Ooh, that's uh again that's a personal one mm-hmm. i mean it just depends on your state if it's day three or four on two or three trips in your beat mm-hmm. um you're always gonna take one have to take one trip you know, and I take that one trip and just see. Yeah. You might take, um, unless you're hundred percent convinced right off the bat, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's more, there's not some magical number. It's like, you know, two mile hike. That's got an insane amount of vertical might be tough yeah. versus a five mile mellow one might be easy. Um, mm-hmm. but the thing I would say about Packers is that a lot of the places, like if you're truly doing what we talked about and you're in good elk hunting areas, you probably are in some areas that a Packer can't get to. Hmm. You know, that's, that's yeah. the definition because, because horses don't really go up super steep stuff easily without a good trail. Right. So that might be your answer right there. I think you know, without having getting <laughs> gotten a packer before or dealt with horses, it's hard for you to know, but mm-hmm. unless there's a, the biggest thing is openness. They can't really go through blow down or timber on the ground. Got it. So if it's open enough that they can switch back themselves up the hill, they can go up a trail then you're pretty good. But if it's kind of like scrambly through blow down or rocks, no, yeah, not going to work. There might be a way, I think you mentioned where you can move the meat over to a trail, like get it out of the hardest spot and then fall in a packer that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a definitely an option. And if you're, especially if you're going to go do a little bit longer, push the four, five, six, seven mile boundary, mm-hmm. but I would never push that far if I was solo, unless I knew I had a packer. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you can do that, you know, cause it, you go five down five miles down a flat trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I think really any, any pack within two or three miles without a ton of elevation is pretty doable. Yeah. Solo pack out and by doable. I mean, it's going to be hard, but it's possible. Right. Um, it's when you start pushing those longer barriers. So effectively, if you're seven miles in, you're only a mile off the trail. That's a great use of a packer and something you could 
you could do right yeah okay cool so. and then uh yeah we're definitely going long but last thing i think just for, uh, for record just for fun what are you hoping is like the best case scenario for how your hunt goes how my hunt goes how it all comes <laughs> yeah. out together and, and then we could we could laugh at how crazy different it is when it happens real yeah. real life <laughs> go on the record huh yeah. um you know I, I have a different answer now than i would have had a month ago with the baby uh, uh-huh. i think the hardest thing for me and this whole deal is going to be up there and i love this this is my one of my favorite things on the planet but mm-hmm. um watching him change every week it's the most amazing thing i've ever seen in my life and i don't want to miss too much of it yeah so i think for me success would be uh relatively quick and that doesn't mean like a day or two that means you know a few shorter trips and then i get one Mm -hmm. i'd be super excited about that i could care less if i go shoot a 360 inch bull or a you know raghorn right because we we're almost out of elk meat i want some tasty elk meat so (laughs) yeah uh, i think success for me looks like getting an elk with a with a minimum amount of time you know enough time that i'm having fun and doing my thing and Mm -hmm. alone and just enjoying me and i get to reset but uh but I get to spend a lot of time with him and yeah. then get to come spend time with you, which would be kind of cool too. That would that's, be sweet. That's success for me. Yeah. And am I supposed to say success for you? Uh, no, maybe I, I can say, yeah, well, I think, I think one thing is even from this last week at pig hunting, you know, technically we didn't get anything, but like setting expectations was really helpful. You know, we, the guy we went with was just like, Hey, it's, it's hot. Like it's good, low chances, but yep. We, we all stayed super positive. We were just like, wow, like the stars last night were amazing. You know, we got to see those deer. Like mm-hmm. this has just been so nice getting out because we've been in quarantine. So I guess for me, it's going to be successful no matter what, because this is the most epic adventure I have ever planned and ever gone on yeah. by far. Oh. So it's going to be epic going for a month. Um, so I guess that's like defining success for me. But, you know, a little glimmer of hope if I, if I could. I think I'd want to struggle a little bit maybe and like get one in like a couple weeks or i don't wouldn't want it to come down to like the last day or something <laughs> but uh yeah that would be interesting to, to get to maximize learning and still get to taste the elk yeah i think that's it i think i mean obviously success for you is getting one and i think if you get an opportunity you know first few days i, I wouldn't hesitate to take it because you can like we talked about go back yeah you know and learn and so that's i think that's still a success for you Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if you're really defining success, it's that you come out of that season going, I've, I am confident in my abilities as an elk hunter, right? You're like, I, maybe I didn't kill one, but I know how to find them pretty quick. I know how to get relatively close to them. Mm -hmm. I know the major things I did wrong. You know, I learned how to find sign. I've, I think the learning for you, that's success. You come out of that and you're like, I know that, uh, you've, you're miles ahead and you run the numbers each year you're gonna pop up way higher than average so yeah i think that's the big one but i think and also we talked about it but any elk down for you is a huge one yeah like cow bull seriously big bull small bull what you know it anything but a calf (laughs) right anything but a calf yeah you can't shoot calves right in some places can you you could i think you technically could but but that's yeah because they're so they're super small right yeah they're small yeah yeah because for me i might be like well, that thing is huge, you know, but it's actually a calf. Yeah. I've never yeah. really even seen like gotten close to an elk. So. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think that's success. I think any, that learning is going to be the biggest thing. Cause that's, that's invaluable. You can't, 
can't get that anywhere any other way and that's going to serve you yeah it's going to cause you to have success every year you go back when you've only got a, a week or something yeah i can't believe it it's 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 this close right it's here happening. yeah good times yeah. man well, we'll have to uh we're definitely going to take some some gear with us to record stuff just uh it's yeah. gonna be an interesting line between trying not to screw up the hunt and trying to record it mm-hmm. um, not to walk that fine line but yeah uh, we'll, we'll definitely record some audio you know like mid-season we can step out for a little bit and just oh yeah how it's going that'll be fun that'll be so awesome um yeah so here we go <laughs> that's it it's ready to ready to happen um yeah and we'll uh we'll be posting a few other things you know with some other folks during the month as well but there'll be a little bit of a september slowdown right uh i think the reason i'm doing all this stuff is because i love the hunt so it'd be really stupid to try to grind to <laughs> get content out while hunting yeah uh, so that's that's a natural part of the process yeah i think so um but yeah some guests coming up gonna be really exciting different topics um yeah and some stuff that's valuable during the season too so Hopefully, guys that are going later or mid-season will get uh, get one or two podcasts in that help them out a lot. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. I'm probably going to re-listen to this on the drive out. Yeah, right. Well, this is all your questions, Josh. You're not going to have any more, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's, um, that's real funny. But, yeah, this uh, is good, though. This is like, selfishly, this is, I mean, this is real. This is just all the things on my mind two weeks out. And it's it's, it's fun. Obviously, for me, I get to just directly get all these answered. Um, but I think for other people, hopefully, we covered some stuff that are on their minds, too, you know, coming at, coming down to the wire when, before the hunt. Yeah, absolutely. And if guys, you know, listen to this, we got some great feedback the past few weeks. But if you are listening to this and you think, hey, there's two or three other things I haven't heard that I want to know, uh, maybe we could roll all those up and do some listener questions here. Yeah, that'd be another cool. Another episode. We'll see. We might may or may not have the volume for that next week, but um, at the very worst, I'll just write them an email back. Um, yeah. Give them what I know, if, whatever that's worth, and, uh, and go from there. So yeah, just shoot us a note if you're listening and want something answered. Yeah. And then we got another five-star review on uh, our iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever did that. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. That yeah. makes our day. Seeing those, the emails, the stuff. It's It's so cool. Yeah, super cool. So thank you. Thank you so much. It just lifts our spirits. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also guys that I know I've talked to four, probably 10 folks that have gone back and forth with some pretty intense questions. Like, please, please, please. When you go hunting, let me know how it goes. Like I'm super fired up and I love it um, when I get to help people. And so it makes it make the world that made it here that, you know, Hey, I either had a great experience or I got something or whatever it was. So, yeah. Imagine when you get that email Baxter, when they're like, I couldn't have done it without you. Look yeah, at this well, picture I, don't, this I don't know if it's that level of stuff, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we can pretend that would be cool though. That would be like, wow. You know, sweet. No, it's, this is elk hunting is one of the greatest gifts I've gotten in my life. It's one of those things you can't put a price on. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, someone could give you a Ferrari and it wouldn't be as valuable as this, whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. one of the coolest things. So, uh, to hear other guys getting that too, it's, it's good times, man. You got a lot yeah. to look forward to. I do. I do. I can't wait. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Um, and we will be back next week with some more good stuff, but, uh, for now, baxterbowman.com, B-A-X-T-E-R. Uh, it's, it's all there. Links will be in the, in the description. And, uh, if you guys are cramming, there's the whole, and there's probably 90,000 words worth of stuff all in all the, the things I've learned from killing elk three out of four years, first four years. So it's all there in the Hunt Elk 2020 series if you navigate there on the website. Nice. Sign up for the newsletter. 
we'll be in touch. We'll give you a lot of cool inside stuff that we're not going to post on the website, just maybe updates on the season. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week.